You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Halo Podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kapitz, and I'm so excited for an old, old friend to be here today in a new way. This is Emily Getz, everybody. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) That's the effect. Emily, tell everyone who you are, what you do, where you're from. Kick us off, please. Sure. Um, I am a fertility mindset coach. I'm here in Toronto, but um, you know, I have clients all over and um I launched the day one fertility sort of network, I guess, almost oh my god, almost two years ago. I quit my corporate gig after mm, 10 so years in PR, and now I'm just, you know, just navigating my own fertility journey while coaching others. <laughs> Very publicly, well, mind that, which is good. So, uh, take us back, Em. Take us back to day one, if you will, because um, I remember seeing you in line at a coffee shop, and you're like, "I have an idea." Um, I remember that. So, walk us back. What is this? What is day one fertility? What is a fertility mindset coach? Walk us through. Um, oh my god! You know what, Elena? I I totally remember that day. Yeah. Um, you know what? I uh, so. I guess the best way to start is that uh, we have a five and a half year old son and fertility and infertility in this entire world really wasn't on my radar. We got pregnant really quickly. He's five and a half right now. He's amazing. And um, it all really started when we got pregnant with our second and at six months, my water broke. So in 2019, day one, I always consider day one is the day we lost Ruby. So um we named her Ruby and I must've had, they, they will never be able to know, but I think I had some weird UTI. Um, then when you're pregnant, they don't tell you there's other symptoms and, um, it, the bacteria got into, um, got into the amniotic fluid and my water broke. And, um, it just opened up this whole path for Ev and I around, conceiving and bringing home a baby. And we were completely blindsided. And a year and a half into the journey, not being pregnant, starting to look into clinics, I was kind of like, there's nobody talking about this. You know, like like really, especially in Canada, like I feel Canadians are quite quiet. Um, and I was in PR at the time and I was like, maybe I'll do a podcast. Um, and that's kind of when I bumped into you where I was like, Elena, I don't know. And um, at the time I had my own mindset coach and I hired her just strictly out of, I wasn't happy in where I was in my life. I always was feeling like I only be happy once I have this baby. I wasn't present in my life. I couldn't parent. I wasn't um, that like je ne sais quoi I felt was taken from me, which I'm sure Elena, like based off where you're at, you can relate to that, right? Where you just constantly are feeling that. Um, 
And I was like, how am I going to keep going on this journey in this state that I'm in? Um, I'm missing my life. Like I kind of felt like the good stuff in my life was like passing me always by because I was so focused on baby, baby, baby. And my family's only going to be complete once we have this and once we have this baby. And um, I was really exhausted. And I went through two rounds of IVF um, unsuccessfully, but with a coach, kind of this idea that, you know, this doesn't define me and I'm not a victim to this. And I still want to have joy and I still want to live my life, but also go through some of the hardest shit that I've seriously ever experienced. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch this podcast and I'm going to start coaching for people that are actually going through fertility to not only show them that there's another way that we can do this, um, but day one is this, we're in this magical time in the business because any fertility brand that you see or, or support network that you see are founders who have gone through the journey already. And I think it's really easy to um, to lead a business. And again, Elena, like I know we're not talking the same content stuff, but the same, same where you're like, yeah, I could be over this and teaching it, or I could go through it and you could see that the, this is possible. And so that's really what day one is right now. It's we have a podcast where I share my story. I have experts come on. Other people tell their story. It's really like a channel to shed light of like the real shit that goes on behind this journey. Um, but also I have a coaching program um, that um, is essentially having a coach in your back pocket to teach you tools of how to manage this journey um, and still have your life. <laughs> You know, because fertility is the long haul, whether we are ready to admit that or not. Typically, people that are really deep into this um, are, have felt like they've given up a version and a piece of themselves. And I am—I really believe my purpose is to is to come in here and say, you can have both. And I'm living, I'm living it. So I'm not, you know, this isn't lip service. And um, and yeah, we're like the only company that offers this or business that offers this type of support. Holy That's shit. That's my long-winded answer. No, it's a good answer. It's one of the better answers I've heard. No, I, I love that so much. And I know like, I remember you were going through so much tragedy. Like you just were capital T, pummeled, Emily. Like as a friend on the sideline, I just like, I my heart was breaking for you every turn you just like had tragedy, tragedy, and you just fucking handled it. Like you just handled it in a way that like, I don't think most people would handle anything, <laughs> but it's a testament to you. Right. Cause I can say that as a friend, as a bystander watching, you know, and feeling very close to you during those moments, like you were just handling it. And I know what it's like to create a business out of a healing process too. Right. Like it's also a coping mechanism and you and I are cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways, which we know and why we're friends. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's healing and leading, right? Um, so I love that for you. So talk to me about fertility and infertility, because it's not something that in my community, I find when somebody's going through a fertility journey, they don't want to see me. They don't want to see a mom who's had three kids back to back, you know, and it, it wasn't really part of my story, but I have other stories that are very, very challenging, of course, but people don't want to see me and I'm okay with that. And I'm so happy that they have you, right? I'm so happy there's yous in the world. And I remember meeting a woman in New York, uh, 
back in the day, I was going to New York for a cat and event with Eden Greenspan. And there's a woman there named um, Hilarity and Fertility, Hilarity, Hilarity, Fertility. Anyway, she's a comedian who just does all infertility comedy. And she was the only person I knew who was doing content. And then you, right? Um, or I only knew people who are talking about nutrition for, for fertility, but not the way you talk about sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So walk us through for some of our listeners who maybe perhaps don't really know anything about the fertility journey or haven't really had that infertility moment. Walk us through some of the experiences when somebody is calling you and they're becoming a client or you're coaching them. Why are they calling? What's the first thing they're saying? Well, first I want to say that a really important audience for me has also been those that are supporting loved ones. So we've done events for people that are supporting, you know, brothers, sisters, friends, um, because everyone wants to kind of help, but they feel helpless. And so day one's mission also is to, you know, educate, educate those because, um, to your point, not a lot of people understand fertility and there's so much work that needs to be done in the fertility world, but because it's such a quiet space, it's hard to get the word out. So I just want to say thank you so much for having me because the people I'm speaking to right now, maybe they're not going through it, but they definitely know somebody that is, and we need to get the word out. And the best way to do it is through people that are going through fertility. Um, so essentially, you know, I, we grow up taught that when you have sex, you're going to have a baby. And most of our lives, we grow up taught how to not have a baby. And um, there's zero education around how our bodies work, around how you know you actually get pregnant and around testing that you can do to check out your fertility. And so what happens, especially in today's world, is women are having babies later in life because they are prioritizing their career as they should be. We are prioritizing more women at the C-suite level, but we are not supporting them from a fertility standpoint. So we can't get to that level because we've had to take breaks in our careers to have children because of our time, like our clicking, kick, our um, ticking time bomb of, of fertility. And um, what's happening is when we want to have children, it's becoming difficult. And um, not only are we blindsided, by the fact that, what do you mean we can't have babies easily? But my best friend just, you know, looked at her husband and had it. Like, why me? And why is this happening? And I've been told my entire life it can happen easy. So a lot of people that are coming to me have either been blindsided by their prognosis, have either been going through years of infertility um, and feel like, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, that they feel like a part of them died. They're like, I can't be carefree. I can't enjoy my friends. I, you know, how can I keep going on this? How can I keep this, this struggle of trying to build my family, but also still have a piece of me? And that's where day one intercepts. We intercept at that point to teach them how to have both and that you actually don't need to suffer to be on this journey. And it's this huge, it's like this, some people aren't ready for that and that's okay. And that's why we have a free community and we have a lot of other offerings, but um, it is an emotional, physical, and financial um, situation that people are dealing with for the first times in their lives for something that they thought was going to come easy. So yeah. um, it's very like layered when you dive into fertility. Yeah. 
I, I can imagine. So I, for me, it's like such a feminist issue at the core, right? Because it really is, if, 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 if politics allowed women to be setting agendas, don't you think that infertility or like fertility education not only would be core curriculum, but like options for women to freeze their eggs, for people to to even understand like the fact that this is it's not it's not an oops baby, right? You can't spend your twenties like trying to not get pregnant. What birth control does for your hormones, what your genetics does, like I understand so much of it, and we did have some infertility stuff happen. We did lose some pregnancies, but I've never had to go through the financial or um, sort of traumatic experience of, of, of IVF or rounds of IVF. Like I couldn't even imagine and when I see these videos of you yourself or other people just injecting themselves repeatedly every day and going to clinics every day. Like it, I could see why it feels like you can't enjoy life, right? Because it, it really does take over. So can you just walk us through for some people who don't know what does it look like when you're going through a fertility journey? Just give us a snapshot. Is it three months, six months, nine months? What happens in the daily grind? Cause I don't know if I've ever even had this conversation. I talked talked about what you can do to like increase your chances of pregnancy, but I don't want to have that conversation. I want you to tell me what is somebody's actual experience. Well, first of all, I just want to take one second to say, um, well, I can't relate to what you're going through. Like I look at what your cards that you were dealt, which is the, the the way I like to look at our fertility circumstance, which is we were dealt cards. It's what are you doing with them? You know, as soon as you can say like, I can't control these cards I was dealt. Someone gave this to me and what am I going to do with it? And when I look at what you are going through on a daily grind, I say to you in my head, like, how do you do it? So it's, it's, it's your cards and you've been, how you've managed the card you've been dealt. I'm like, my brain is like, I can't. So it's the same, it's same, same. And I think when we're going through fertility, this is the, this is like a mindset thing where, where there's people that are in this, that are like, why me? And, and, and that victim play. And and I just want to say, it's like our fertility struggle is, is something that, um, is part of our life. And, 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 um, and I'm like, I hug it. Like I embrace it. I don't resist it. And I think you do the same in, in what you experience as well. So I just wanted to say like, right. We we get scared to parallel, like, but this is just a card in my deck of life that I've been given. Really good point. Yep. Love it. Um, so in terms of like, what does it look like? Again, it, everyone has such different experiences based off your prognosis. But so what I will explain is like straight up IVF, um, and what that like generally looks like with the caveat that it looks different for everybody, but essentially it is about depending where you go, 15 to $20,000 for one round of IVF in Ontario. And it is a three-month process, give or take. And likely you need more than one round to do it. They always say like your first round is sort of the tester. They're testing things. It's really lucky if you get anything. But essentially what it is, is um, they will prime you with hormones and you are going in for a retrieval um, in hopes of getting more eggs than what you make regularly. So on average, we all make one one egg. We drop one egg a month. That's ovulation. When we're in IVF, we're trying to make more than one egg because we're spending so much money that we want to have more balls to play with basically. And so the idea is that you're hopped up on all these hormones, you're producing more eggs. So when you go in to get them removed, your, um, your chances are higher based off how many eggs that you get. 
Um, that takes about six weeks to even get to the point of retrieval. If you're even lucky to get to retrieval, cause there's all these other milestones and I don't want to get into the minutia of all of it to even get there. You get your eggs removed and then, um, they, in the lab, they actually take a sperm and they fertilize each egg. And the hope is that they fertilize and they become an embryo and there's about a 50% drop-off rate. So let's say you get 10 eggs, the likelihood of you getting five embryos is probably realistic. Um, and then they either can transfer one of those embryos back inside into your uterus, or you can get them tested. Um, and this is for like any abnormalities or chromosomal abnormalities that you can have. Cause a lot of women have gone through recurrent pregnancy loss and not always, but on average, a pregnancy loss is due to a chromosomal in um, issue. And so a lot of people in IVF don't want to go through a miscarriage, so they will test. So that could take another month. And then on the third month in, if you're lucky again, like checkpoint, like there's like 20 checkpoints from this, um, you then do a transfer. So you can imagine doing that, you know, I'm, I'm about to go into my fourth round of that, um, over and over and over again. And this is just one story, one example. I'm being extremely general, and I just want to Mommy be spa um, clear is about Mississauga's that. first right. and only spa dedicated God, can to you, moms. And, and, and just for complete transparency for any of our listeners who might not be in our country or in the province, like the government does not services. help at all with this, right? They, do. they have a funded, you can do one funded round, but the wait times for it are anywhere between six to 12, six months to a year. And what can be, when you say diagnosis or prognosis, what are the prognosis to we will get interventions. a chance to meet other mamas. So it Book can be male factor. So um, there's no actual sperm. Stop by our brand new location to shop our lineup. Um, there can be a low ovarian reserve, which service. means that you're not an experience for producing enough eggs and um, your quality of the actual egg can be an issue. You can have something called endometriosis. Um, and, yeah. you know, I mean, there's there's tubes. So for example, I only have one tube. I, I had an ectopic pregnancy. They had to go in and remove a tube. So um, if you have block tubes, that's a that's a huge issue. Um, the list goes on. And the older you are, the... I want it, to... It's this false thing. It's like the older you are, there is um, evidence that your quality and your quantity of your eggs do go down. But it doesn't mean that there's not a golden egg. It's just... It's how you're responding to your fertility drugs. So um, there's all of this like minutia around age and what that means for your fertility and how much pressure are you putting on yourselves there? Yeah, that's what... So in my... So for those of you who are listening who don't know, I have a son with a very rare genetic disorder. And the one of the 200 sort of sample across the world is one in 38 million. There is um, the one sort of... Uh, rare mutation in this particular gene you cannot test for when you're having the entire panel of genetic testing. It doesn't exist, um, which is often the case. But for Henry, the one thing that is across the board is sort of what they call geriatric parents, which is almost all of the parents are a little bit older. Like that is like the one. So we're not even that old. We're not even that old. Yeah. it's it's just the one thread where this like this idea of a geriatric pregnancy being over the age of 35 to me feels so bananas, right? Like when I watch sometimes like shows like Handmaiden's Tale that talks about the women's fertility and Margaret Atwood and her like 
dreamlike state and understanding that feminist paradigm where, the, you know, women's bodies, autonomy, you know, this whole idea of like birth givers, life givers, the pressure to like produce. It's to me, it's such a crazy story where like, I imagine like a feminist paradigm in which birth and birthing people and fertility is center stage, you know, like imagine what that world looks like where this is sort of not necessarily mainstream, but like the, like the ecosystem exists in such a way where we receive this stuff or we're supported in such a way where this isn't sort of, you're not the only creator talking about it, right? You're not the only community that's supporting people going through it. So to me, it's just, it's, it's really fast, really fast, really full thing. Yeah. It's so emotional. Yeah. You know, it just, it is. And, and, and we're like, ultimately in the end, what gets me excited about the work that I do and emotional and sad and all these things, like we're creating humans. Like that's ultimately what's happening. Um, So it, yeah, I don't, I've never watched Handmaid's Tale. I feel like I feel like a boundary. Yeah, it's a good boundary for you. No, but it is, but it is a Margaret Atwood sort of feminist discourse about the woman's yes. body and, and birthing yes. folk. Um, yes. and those wanting and not being able to have and that sort of dyna- dynamic. And that's what I think really it comes down to is like, you know, it's tw- it's the 21st century, it's t- 2023. We are as young women, you know, sort of in this culture, we've been raised that like you can have anything you want, you know, and you put your mind to it or you study really hard and you're going to ace the test or you're going to, you know, and and the thing about family planning and parenthood and creating life, I think is like, you can't plan, right? You cannot plan. You, it, it just, it's impossible to know what you're going to encounter along the way. I think um, that is like the lesson. I mean, in life, it's the lesson, but in fertility, I think it's like the biggest um, piece that you really have to let go of, which is that you don't have control and you don't have control of your timeline either. Like you just don't. And as soon as we can all accept it, that is when joy and and that is when you start to have some space. And that is when you start to realize that you've been spinning and spending so much of your brain space on something that like you will never, ever, ever get to. So um, that has been my like, aha, yeah. a few years ago where I was like, cool. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to co-create. I'm going to be here on this earth. I'm going to push as hard as I can, but with a true understanding that I do not have control of how this baby is going to come. Right. And tell me when you're coaching clients now in your practice and you're trying to tell them like, let's find the joy. What, what's the, how are you telling them? Where are they finding the joy? How can they, how can they go through three months of this intensity and all these sort of you know, um, milestones that you're sort of discussing and for that to be part of their life and to have a life, like how do you actually marry them? Such a good question. Um, so, well, first of all, um, I've created something called the day one playbook. It's 12 lessons that, um, actually give you like tactical tools to do just that. So what was happening in a year ago when I was coaching was like, everyone's like, how, 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 what do I do? What do I do? And it's like, they have an actual, um, like roadmap or playbook that they can go to. And the first lesson in that is radical acceptance. So the truth is, is that um, if we bypass this, everything I'm going to say or any advice I'm going to give, it kind of comes in one ear and out the other. If you're not able to actually sit and accept 
your diagnosis or the fact that your baby's not coming in the way and the when in which you've envisioned, if you're kind of stuck in that space, um, it's very hard to open yourself up to a new way of doing it. And there has to be like an openness and a willingness. So um, I would say like before, before me sitting here and being like, you can do this and you can do that. And you can like, it's all just um, words. If you haven't done the work in terms of the, of accepting and letting go. Right. And letting go, you know, um, I, uh, I haven't actually told anyone this, but we, I did this psychic reading and um, I've never been to a psychic before and I, I, I was scared and whatever I went. And they were like, you know, you're going to have a second baby. It's a, it's a boy. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, but you keep envisioning a girl and it's blocking him because you haven't let her go. Like you haven't really let her go. And when I think about it, the truth is I do imagine a girl. Like I wasn't, I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm only, I'm sharing this with you as, so I can give you a tactical example of how do you find joy? How do you find, it's not like you're like, depressed. And I'm like, go to a dance party. You'll figure it all out. But there's work to be done and you want, you have to want to do this stuff. And, you know, I went to Miami with a girlfriend and I took a morning to myself and I wrote Ruby this whole letter around like thanking her for everything she's taught me. I mean, Ruby's changed. I would not be here without Ruby. I would be literally living the same nine to five life. And she has impacted me more than I expect. She was never going to come Earthside. I mean, that's a whole other story. I could, another podcast, but anyways, I wrote her this whole letter and thanking her and saying, you know, it's time to go. Like it's, it's time. And I ripped it up and I read it to the ocean and I ripped it up and I buried it knowing that the waves will probably come and catch it. And that was an actionable thing that I hadn't done before. And it's painful and it's sad and people don't want to feel those feelings because they're scared of that feeling, but we need to hold it all. So what my biggest thing with everyone that works with me is like, we got to hold fear and, and we got to hold hope and we got to go through the journey with both of them. They don't, the journey doesn't exist without fear and anxiety but we got to be able to bring them in. We got to be able to hold it all. I can go to a dance party and be with my friends and feel carefree. And I can cry my eyes out because I'm like, how much longer is this going to take? Those things can exist together, but we're so scared of feeling the fear and the scared that it's, we're like um, suffocating ourselves. So then we're, because we haven't allowed ourselves to feel those feelings, we can't feel the other ones. Yeah. That's so profound, it's that. Yeah, it's very profound. It's funny. I find that sometimes people tend to have a hard time looking at things that are hard. And especially when it comes to kids, fertility, all this thing. So I I love the fact we're hitting this right on the head because I do think people only want to hold on to very romantic ideas of family and identity and childbearing and all those things. I know sometimes people have a hard time seeing me, right? Like I'm very public with a kiddo who is like completely not uh, typical, atypical. And it's a huge part of my identity, but like you, I have lots of pieces of my identity that I try to lean into. And same for you. I don't think anyone wants to, it's really hard for people to look at this topic, right? It's hard for you, like you, you know, child loss and an infertility and holding both of those at the same time, it's hard to see, but you do such a good job as sort of 
showcasing it in a way that I think is really um, admirable and inspirational. So um, I think that's a really beautiful story. And I too have seen a psychic recently for the first time ever. I booked it in the summer and I had booked it six months in advance. Someone's like, hey, I'm a psychic reader in my cottage country. Like someone's super random. And she walked in she's like, I just see things. I'm just going to talk. And she's like, whoa. She like, I just see like a like a plus sign, like the hospital, like on your forehead. First thing she said to me, I was like, holy fucking shit. How the fuck would she know that? And just her shit was so, um, just bang, 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 like nonstop um, sort of premonitions and calling on people and stuff. So I do think that there's ways to sort of um, look for a spiritual um, moment. And I'm somebody who has a hard time with spirituality. It's not, to me, it feels like woo woo. I don't like candles. I don't like journaling. I don't like meditation. I don't like any of that shit. But I do think like when you've gone through something that's traumatic or earth shattering that you, you look for things sometimes. And often that looking can be, um, so I do think that there's a lot of there, there. What other spiritual things do you sort of coach your clients on? Well, let me just go back for one second. I know you didn't want me to interview you, but I just can't help myself. Um, <laughs> have you tried journaling? Have you tried any of that stuff? Like really? I, I, not really. I really haven't had the breadth, I think, because I live emergently and Henry is so sick so often and he's so fragile. I feel like anytime I'm about to get into anything like that, like the the rug is pulled from underneath me. So even this year when I was like, he's he's two and a half already, right? Like I've already been doing this for so long that like um my coping mechanisms are are not those things, but it's I just haven't really given a true blue shot. That's the truth. I have not, Emily. Yeah. So so which is fine. Like it I only say that because it's like it's such a um because I I see myself in you because I right. also was like I had a ton of spiritual like now woo woo craps psychics, hypnotists. I was like journaling, like, please. And the thing is, is that I was like, shit, I can't even judge this because I haven't done it. So my coach at the time, this was like now two or so years ago, was like, stop telling me you don't like it because you haven't done it. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. She's like, just do it. Like do it and don't like it, you know? And then I did it and I was like, oh crap, this stuff is working. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, um, there's different ways to journal. It, journaling isn't like, I think journaling for me ebbs and flows. I'm not perfect at it, but I have a sentence. I have a paragraph. I have something that I tend to try to get to every day that like roots me. Um, and so uh, it also allows me to get out of my head. Um, so a lot of the, like in this playbook that I've created, there's a lot of prompts, which I think is really helpful because you sit down and you're like, what am I going to do? But, um, I will say that my connection to spirit has been on a whole, I didn't, I, again, something I'm very grateful for in terms of Ruby and a gift that Ruby gave me is, is my connection to spirit or my curiosity into spirit, which I don't think I would have had before. Um, and Again, it's like, how can we not talk about spirit when we're talking about making a baby? It's like, it actually doesn't go without the other. It's a person. <laughs> like there has to, it's a person that we don't even have any control of as to when they're coming into our lives. So to, to think that we can go through this without some form of belief of something bigger than us. Yeah. Is um I personally think is is a, a miss. Yeah, it's funny. I 
I've had a lot of therapies. I've done like talk therapy. I'm actually looking to psychedelic therapy. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yeah. I've never done it before, but I just actually booked it for my birthday. For yeah. myself. I'm going to yeah. go on a trip and I've never done any psychedelics in my life, but I just, somebody, a lot of people I know who I really respect have gone on cycle, like guided psychedelic yeah. journey. I'm really into alternative medicines, but the journaling, I don't, you know what is interesting when I was, I was doing stand-up comedy writing for about eight months and writing the stand-up comedy. Found time for that. Yeah. Well, I did find time for that because I actually found it very therapeutic and I- Because it I'm is fine. a form of journaling. It is. it is a form of journaling. And I was writing every day, anything I thought was hilarious, like around me and then turning it into bits and jokes and stuff. So I'm actually picking that up again. So to me, maybe that's my journal is that I get to, and I think I, I use- comedy. I use laughter as my sort of form of healing. So Emily, this is my interview. Don't turn it. Sorry. <laughs> Bitch. I said, Sorry. Before, don't, don't interview me. Emily. I said it before we started. I knew this was going to happen because anyone who hosts a podcast, it's hard to not turn it around. So I completely understand. Here's my question for anyone who's okay. listening, who has like maybe a younger listener or a new mom who hasn't really even thought about this or a new parent. I don't know any listener. What do you want them to hear about about this journey if they hear nothing else. Oh my God. Whether or not they're question. going through it or they if they haven't been through it or I'm thinking about somebody who's like, you know, a little bit, you know, rose colored lenses about the whole thing. What do you want them to know and hear? Um, I want them to know and hear that this is a circumstance where people are suffering in silence. <laughs> Tell me. Okay, so let's bring it home. Anyone who's listening the sort of takeaway message you want them to hear and understand is that people yeah. are suffering silently. Yeah. Just, just that like, if you have someone in your life that, um, that you either know that is going through a struggle that you, um, or, or that in your life that doesn't have kids air quoting this yet, and you feel that you would like to ask them, don't, that's what I would like to say. Don't ask anybody about their family planning. You have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. And people that are going through fertility struggles are really good at being in two emotions at once. So check in, just check in on your people. Um, it is a marathon and um, just knowing that a support system is available even if you don't know everything that's going on, um, checking in is always a good a good thing. That's what came to my mind first, but I feel like I could have had a billion different. Yeah, that was a really good answer. I appreciate that. Emily, tell everyone where they can find you. What's that yeah. Word? Um, yeah, no, they can find me on um, social day one fertility or uh, the website day one fertility.com made it really easy. The same across, across all the platforms and all of the things. Um, Emily, I freaking love you. This is the tip of the iceberg. I feel in terms of conversations between us. Um, I wish you so much luck in your next round, my friend. Thank you. They say this one, right? This is you, yeah. right? Fingers crossed. What? What? What do you want, pop? Come here. What do you want? You want to go downstairs? Okay. Oh, might be hungry. You want to go eat something? You want food? You hungry? You want more food? Okay. Who wants cuddles? Go. Go okay, cuddle. Em, you're the best. Go give her a follow if you are. Uh, have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and we will see you next time. Bye.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.